0: So, Victoria Castle texts me, and she says, Hi, Pete. It's Victoria Castle, your new stalker. And (laughs) that's amazing. And so, I said, Ah, my new stalker, yet another author of one of my favorite books just burning up my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Along with Tom Clancy new whoever. Yeah, come on. <laughs> right? Oh, God. Stephen King, put him in the spam section. Would you stop, Stephen? <laughs> so
1: annoying.
0: Nobody wants to Would go you... to Deary. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Pennywise ruined my youth. Stop it. So, Victoria. She's amazing.
1: She's amazing. I love, I gotta say, there are several things. One of my favorite things is when you read something by an author or you get to talk to a favorite singer or something and they're just as cool as their art would suggest they were, right? right. Like her book is really, it's charming and funny and endearing and she is entirely all three of those things. Um. Well,
0: and that she was, this is the thing, like there's no no veneer on Victoria. She is 100% present and as excited to be hanging out with us on this podcast as we are to have her there right it was a complete <laughs> mutual love fest and that is amazing
1: it was really amazing yeah. it was really amazing my one of my first clues when i talked to her before the show that she actually walks the walk yeah. uh walks the talk that is was i was i was saying to her you know i really I'm really interested in working with you as a client. I mean, just based on how long I've loved this book, I wonder, do you ever take clients anymore? And um, she said, you know, I'm retired, um, but I do take clients if they are people that I feel could uh, turn around and really share my material in a way where I got to a whole lot more people and you'd be in that category. Hmm. And what I realized right then was, what a total cycle of abundance answer, Yeah. right? Like, the trance of scarcity, answer is, well, as long as you don't turn around and share my material with other people because it's in my intellectual property. Hers was, I only want to share this with people who will give my intellectual property away and make money on it. Yeah,
0: I think that's why I like her so much, right? Like, there is this just sort of, it, it's that cycle of abundance that we talked about in the second episode, which is this whole idea that, you know, giving and generosity leads to more giving and ge- or leads to more sort of um, like abundance, abundance <laughs> right? Right, right. It's, yeah. and it's on the tin, which <laughs> leads to more, the ability to be more generous and more gracious and, and more abundance. And, and that's, I think we've, we've litigated that out of so much of our, our culture of exchange anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I
1: mean? Yeah. There's so much mine, 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 yeah. because there isn't enough. And because if, if I don't get enough of mine, you know, if you get too much of yours, I won't get enough of yeah. mine for sure. Right. That's there's so much of that going on. And she's just sort of generous of spirit in that way, too. Just. um it was really delightful how excited she got about her own material. She was like, you know, you have to remember, Dodge, I wrote this 15 years ago. And of course, I know it really well, but I haven't gotten to read my own book in a while. And I haven't gotten to talk about it with somebody who's all excited about it in a little while because I've been retired. And this is so much fun. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> it's funny to catch up with somebody at this
0: point in her life where she gets to revisit that like like as a as a lesson in history and feel as exuberant about this as, as a footprint that she left. Uh, on the world which i think is really beautiful uh so yes. so uh what what'd you learn did you learn anything new that you you felt like you didn't uh have your hands around
2: before i i got a lot from that
1: whole exchange and from rereading the book um and just a review for anybody who's you know listening to this a while after hearing the other part um There's a there was a quote I came across as I was thinking about our conversation today that I thought covered things pretty well. She writes, uh, what I learned was the simple but crucial formula, what we believe and what we embody becomes our reality. If we address both causes, our lives change. While the power of belief has been recognized for years, embodiment has been long overlooked, even though it's essential to lasting change. Anything short of embodiment is just chatter. Mm -hmm that's right there has been what's been sticking with me i've been just kind of noticing a lot um that just believing it but not believing it in my body doesn't count uh i have to kind of just double check to yeah is my has my body caught up with that idea yet um and when it has i move forward really differently yeah am i making any yeah. sense yeah
0: yeah. And I think that reflection um, is really important because it gets to this idea of state, right? That's how her book is broken up into two parts, state and flow. And uh, that's the, the whole sort of conversation, the way we approach the conversation as a set of conversations around state and flow uh, without really using those words, uh, I think are, are, have had that lasting impact for me. I find myself taking a more active role in checking in with where I am right now at any given time. Am I here? right now. And I actually, <laughs> my wife comes in the other day and I'm standing here at my desk and she's telling me something about something. Probably we got to do our taxes because that's what we talk about right now. And I lean in and I give her a kiss. And I think she was still talking while I was kissing her. And I stopped and I grabbed her by the shoulders. And I said, I just kissed you and you were not here. She said, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was not here. And now every time we kiss, it's it's like this moment where we grab each other's faces and we kiss and then we look at each other hard (laughs) in the eyes. We're like, are you here? I'm here. Checking in. Are you here? Yeah, we're good. Like, but that to me is so important. All of the sudden, it is the thing I'm thinking about at any given time. Am I here having this conversation with you or am I scrolling some other website? Am I here in this meeting or am I writing down notes for something to remember later? Like that is that's the embodiment
2: for me of state is how how we present at any given moment of time. Yeah. Yeah, that's. That's absolutely it. It was really neat to hear
1: um, a friend talking about a an experience he had, a kind of an experiential weekend where they were talking about how his body was still holding old pain. Yeah. And how his body had grown to kind of um, protect his heart where his shoulders slump forward and his back is heavily armored and they called it turtling. Oh God, are you talking about me? (laughs) (laughs) Right? No, I'm not talking about you actually. Um, But you might relate to this. It's something I relate to. And it's something that a whole lot of people do that when their heart's been hurt, um, we take on a body shape that goes with that hurt heart um, in part to protect it, but also kind of, as you know, it's like the, the it's almost like the, the heart has lost a lot of energy, and as it goes dim, everything kind of folds yeah, around it, right. and it, it sits it in becomes the shadow kind of a black
0: hole, sucking in everything right. around it.
1: Right. And he was just talking about how the simple act of allowing his shoulders to fall back in a way and to kind of let his heart lead a little bit more into the room as he walks into a given situation. And I was just like, "Wow, you are right out of Victoria's book." Uh, really cool to see this showing up in the world. And that's, that's kind of how we hold pain, right? Like Bessel van der Kolk is a psychiatrist who's one of the world's leading researchers of trauma. And he talks about this in this book called The Body Keeps the
2: Score. Mm -hmm.
1: But what's neat about what you're saying is you're talking about like, is my body, um, holding joy? Is it here? Is it, is it present in a given space? yeah that's sort of on the cycle of abundance side it's still embodied but you know i that's why i look
0: at like state and cycle of abundance stuff as as separate elements because the first is am i here right now and the second is how do i move through the world right that's the cycle of abundance like am i and i've been noticing trying to notice more and more of that like especially when you know i'm not i'm i'm not a wealthy man dodge uh but but what i have is time and experience and some skill in some things and so i've been really thinking about in the last couple of weeks like how am i generous with the things i have to give because that determines what i do every day that determines how i relate to other people and so one am i present in the given moment am i experiencing what i need to experience with the people and the the environment around me and then How do I move through this moment, right? How do I take action that is generous and giving and thus taking part
2: of that cycle of abundance? Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. It's cool how different things will stand out. Um, I've been noticing, like, on the trance side... I've just been thinking a lot about that question of is the universe friendly? Mm-hmm. Um and what I realize is so what so what I started to notice was
1: my intellectual answer is absolutely yes. My spiritual beliefs would say yes, we live in a loving universe, that we are protected, that we are that things are happening Ultimately, for our good, it takes a long time to explain how I believe that works with really painful things that happen in life, but it makes sense to me intellectually. <clears throat> but I don't embody that very well most of the time. Most of the time, my body's walking around like um, somebody's about to chuck something at me. Um, <laughs> like I hold some tension. Yeah. Um, not all the time. And it's a whole lot better for all the years of, you know, Tai Chi and meditation, whatever that helps. But I started to get curious about why what what is what do I unconsciously believe that that my body would hold this kind of tension when the rest of me believe something else right yeah. <clears throat> what I finally realized was there's this part of me that says the yes, I believe the universe is friendly, but in the in the sort of the way like a a doctor might be here for your own good um as he's about to you know reset a dislocated shoulder like this is going to hurt like hell, but it's for your own good kind of
2: feeling. Yeah. Um, And and so I I believe the universe is ultimately friendly, but that the ride hurts a lot. And I
1: think I'm bracing for pain a lot of the time.
2: Mm.
1: I bet you there are folks out there who relate to that, you know, Um, even though I intellectually believe something else. And what started occur to occur to me is like how much of the time the pain I'm feeling in any given moment is, uh, is really not even about that moment. I mean, it's just sort of another power of now insight, right? But just sort of another moment where I realized like so much of my contraction ends up being about, uh-oh, 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 I see where this is going, you know, predicting the worst kind of stuff. And when I can come out of that scarcity mentality, having had this great conversation with Victoria, it's really helping me a lot, actually, to be like, um, shift the story and the Soma at the same mm-hmm. time.
0: I think that's interesting. I, I, uh, I don't really truck with the universe as friendly because the implication of that to me is that the universe also could be an antagonist, right? And I don't believe the universe in, in so far as, you know, whatever spiritual belief is. I don't believe it has an opinion about, about me. I find when I'm at my worst, and this is, I know, just sort of restating what you just said, but, you know, with less universe mm-hmm. in it, um, I, that when I'm at my worst, it's because I am, I am interacting energetically with those around me as a protectionist. Like, I'm protecting what's mine i'm protecting the here and now i'm protecting the state of change of stasis right i'm protecting myself from having to open a door to something new that i that is uncertain that i've never done before that i'm scared of and when i am at my best it's when i'm able to approach my connections and people around me with that sort of that sort of generosity of time and spirit and energy and connection and shake the yoke of that protectionism that sort of self self self-protection that is that ultimately is is damaging if only Mm. through stasis rot say more about that that to me is something that i think is so dangerous which is um and and i find myself Like falling into that pattern all too easily, which is that if I stop moving, if I'm just doing the same thing every day, if I'm not actively looking for ways to change and grow, then I rot a little bit every day from the inside Mm. out. I rot, I, and it, it manifests in all kinds of funny ways. It manifests in, first, in the context of Victoria's conversation, it manifests in um, that, that I'm no longer as generous and giving as I want to be. I'm no longer putting away uh, a little bit of my paycheck to go toward our annual charity donations and helping with the issues that are important to us in our community um, because I'm trying to protect something else that is mine all mine. And it it means the things that i create become boring right they become less interesting to listen to me jaw on again about another <laughs> dumb issue like uh I, and so that's that's rot for me and the only way to shake free of rot is to is to move is to keep moving i just uh, produced a show uh, an interview with a woman who's an in- ultra endurance athlete And she has this new uh, sort of brand that she's doing with her, her fitness work. And she trains like NFL, NBA, PGA, Olympics. Like she trains every she's she's a multi time Ironman. She's done all kinds of crazy stuff. And her her brand is Endorphins. Uh, It's endurance and then fin like a shark fin kind of a thing. But Mm. the thing that connected with me about that is the thing that sort of inspired her. It's that, like, you have to keep moving, even if you screw up, like even if you can't finish the next race, if you stop moving, you die, right? Like, you just die. Even if you don't die, you die. Don't die. Mm. Keep moving. Don't rot. Keep swimming. How do you mix that with rest? Oh, I think that I, I think the two go absolutely hand in hand because rest is for me. Rest is is that sort of um, it's like sleep. It's like when your memories write themselves to your brain. Right? It's like it's like an opportunity to continue to uh, let yourself process about s- new stuff that you're doing about the new energy I mean, that you're. It is it, moving. It forward. is moving. Rest is movement, right? Yeah. I struggle with that. I really do. Like this is this is hard because it's the they are the things I can talk about you and sound like I have a lot of really positive energy about these things and then I can hang up the podcast and hang up my headphones and I can sit down and immediately think, "Oh my god, I'm terrified of whatever comes next."
2: Yeah. Right? Like I think we all have
0: that to some degree or another.
2: There's an interesting idea
1: out there that um, I bumped into just, uh, flipping through a training manual, um, and, uh, about the only page I saw was just a quote that jumped off, um, the, over the weekend that said, uh, in order to feel terrible, we have to do something. Meaning we have to participate in that. Mm. We have to think a thought. Or hold something in our bodies in a particular way. Yeah. And that was like, I remember at the time that just kind of blowing my mind a little bit in the training, but also just thinking about over the weekend, I was like, what if that's true? For me to be miserable, I have to do something. Yeah. And if I'm not willing to do that thing to make myself miserable, it shifts. So if I stop holding my body in this way, or stopping my breath in that way, or imagining over and over and over how badly this could go next mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever like if i stop doing the things that that keep me in misery i don't have to be miserable like that i may have to go through natural cycles of expansion and contraction there are days that feel really good and days that feel sad sometimes or infuriating or scary but to feel really miserable the like the stuck rot kind of version of it yeah. where i get really in a jam I have to participate to keep myself there or I will naturally cycle back upward.
0: Yeah. That's uh, by just moving, just the act of moving the act of choosing to do something new and different with the next five minutes than maybe you would have done with the same five minutes yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder about that. Like I think about that with somebody like you, right? Who you spend a lot of your days in a practice where you meet with people for I don't know, 50 minutes at a time, one after another, mm-hmm. after another, after another. And for them, their act of movement, their act of initiative is coming to talk to you in the first place, right? That's you. Yeah. You're the gift to them to get them into that, to, to try to shift them into that cycle. But what is that gift for you, right? How quickly does yeah. it become Oh, my goodness, I'm in stasis rot. I'm sitting here doing the same thing every day tomorrow that I did today, the next day that I will do tomorrow. Like, how do you find yourself? Because I think a lot of people do this. Like, If, you don't, if your job is, is a thing that is, to some extent, rote, how do you in, encourage the cycle of abundance? How do you ch- encourage the, yourself to move
1: out of the trance? I I get what you mean about the movement, but that right now has been less of what I've been thinking about, about getting out of the trance. What I'm realizing is, um, do you remember when she was talking about, um, okay, so during the cycle abundance, she's talking about aligning and attracting. Let's come back to aligning and attracting and talk about that later. But the receiving and gratitude piece, part of what she talks about there is our capacity to just receive from this moment coming back to that, right? And our bliss tolerance is deeply tied to our sensation tolerance. How much am I willing to feel sensation at all? But beyond that, how much am I willing to feel good? Yeah. I actively ignore all kinds of beautiful things that feel really good on a regular basis. And the reason I know that is because ever since that conversation with Victoria, I've just been, as a regular practice, trying to just pause and notice what's what's around me right now. That's um that feels good. Yeah, to look at or listen to or see or think about.
0: I, that's really important right? because for me, the it's it's been to figure out, like, to remind myself how to engage all my senses in any given moment. Sometimes, you know, what the world smells good. How often do I stop and think, ah, that smells terrific and not sound
2: like a total creep? (laughs) (laughs) Right. That would be one example. But
1: I'm noticing I've gotten really good at it, interestingly, just in just in a matter of days. I'm telling I mean this completely. Like now I can find I don't have to look all around the room to find something that brings me some pleasure. I can literally look almost anywhere and see something that makes me happy. Like I'm looking over your shoulder Mm -hmm. and folks who can't see us, but only hear us don't know that you have this hilarious thing for command strips, (laughs) which allow you to hang on your wall, all kinds of tech that, other people might have traded in because you are a total character and a collector and you've got it all artfully arranged on your wall. Um, so I can see, you know, Apple TVs and iPods of (laughs) ancient years and, you know, like just all these awesome things hanging up together with, um, like sound insulating material, uh, To help your studio work even better and the whole thing just makes me laugh like i (laughs) I, it's just awesome to look at and that's directly in front of me if i move my gaze slightly up above that i'm looking out a window or over a lovely view of a park and even on this gray day where all the grass is still brown there's something so sweet about knowing spring's not far away and it will turn green again and that makes me happy too yeah yeah, and if I just let that in a little bit, long enough that my body can feel it, and I do that twenty times a day, shoot, even three times a day, but I'm starting to do it all the mm-hmm. time. You know, if I turn slowly to the right, I see a beautiful piece of art by my brother, and it reminds me that artists are amazing and their gifts blow my mind. And this is a particularly beautiful piece, and I love my brother. Yeah, and that's like twenty degrees off axis. Like, it's just that's feeling so good to me that it isn't just about the keeping going part it's like right here is fantastic okay so this if I this it. might be
0: pretty
2: telling <laughs> is that right 20 degrees off axis for me i have this thing right here can you read that it says shock potato. It's the shock potato. Shock-a-tato. It's a shock potato. And it's got these
0: metal diodes. It's a hot potato game, but you you put it on extreme setting and turn it on and it plays the theme music from the movie Psycho. And when you hold it to, you're supposed to throw it around. If you hold it too long, it shocks the crap out of you. And I, that's what I, you have beautiful piece of art. Artists are great. I have the shock potato. I don't know why it's become a totem for my life. It follows me everywhere. I think it might be cursed because I tried to get rid of it and I couldn't. I couldn't let myself get rid of the tato. So we may come back to Shocktato.
1: Now, we may need to come back to Shocktato, Pete, because I would just like to know, why is it that your entertainment shocks the shit out of you if you don't do like What? Why are you surrounding yourself with things that cause pain? A, there, I don't understand it. it does, You're ridiculous. The,
0: the, I've done another I did this episode of another show that you or the, a friend of both of ours, and I I was holding it up to the microphone, and I thought that I was holding it not holding the metal parts so he could hear the music. And I was not. I was touching a metal part, and in the middle of the podcast, <laughs> it shocks me, and I scream and <laughs> drop it, <laughs> and it's very uncomfortable, and... Uh, he made me keep that in the episode because um, he said it's important. It's identity. That's who I am in any given moment. It's just on the precipice about to get shocked see, the crap out of me.
1: That's right. I think that has something to do with your thoughts about the universe, Pete. And I can't quite put it all together, but I do wonder... If your bliss <laughs> tolerance is as high as your pain tolerance, because
0: look, let <laughs> me just tell the universe, you, the universe. This is more evidence that the universe does not care about us. If he has, if the universe even allows the shock dado to exist,
1: it couldn't like It's proof that
0: he's not an it's... antagonist, but is deeply funny. <laughs>
1: Yes, he has got a sense of humor, and he's willing to let you torture yourself as much as you like. That's right.
0: The universe has a sense of humor.
1: The question for everybody out there is how much do you want to be tortured? Do you want a shock potato? (laughs) Because you can have that too. (laughs) Apparently, some of you are wanting to make some change in your life, and that's why you keep dialing in to hear us. And this is good. That's right. That's right. This is
0: good. She has this whole section in the book that I, I'm not sure that you talked about that, that much, which is it's not about stuff, it's about state, right? We talked about the state part, but not about the stuff part.
1: What stood out to you about that?
0: Well, it's just the, the idea of the things that the perils of developing connections with things at the expense of uh, the of flow, right? Yeah. Uh, The perils of acquisition. And I think that is that is sort of central to the paradox that we talk about here. Right. And I don't want to miss that point, which is we get so panicked about protecting assets that we forget that when we release that pressure, we enable greater interaction with assets, whether you accumulate more or
2: put more into the world, whatever. It, it's yeah. liberating, and that's that's the paradox,
0: but that's hard to embrace. Yeah. Like, what are the constituent yeah. ingredients for figuring out how to release yourself from stuff and
1: flow? Well, part of why she brings that up is because she's she's working on this cycle of abundance, mm-hmm. right? This idea of, so, we align and attract and then move into... You know, the state of receiving and gratitude and that enables generosity and giving, which lets us do more aligning and attracting. And it goes around and around in a great way. And I really appreciate that she's she's topping to say to everybody, abundance isn't about more and more junk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You got
2: plenty of junk. It's it's the state of mind that goes with it. You know. Um. For some
1: reason, what pops to mind as a funny example is, um, with the help of my parents, I got a really great guitar for my fortieth birthday some time ago. Now,
0: um, I mean, a long time ago. I still want, like, I want to. I mean, it was a, a long. Gen, it was like a generation uh, ago. Yeah. No, I mean, people were still carving stuff
1: <laughs> to send to write when I turned forty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and um. And I really lucked out. I mean, this thing has just got such a lovely tone. It's beautiful to look at, uh, but it really plays beautifully. And it like it just I love this guitar. And there are musicians here in Nashville who have whole huge storage units, warehouses full of collector guitars, and every single one of them is fancier than this one. And all those guitars are sitting in the dark somewhere in a climate controlled room not being loved mm-hmm. <laughs> and more and more stuff wouldn't get me to any more pleasure i could have 27 of these things and probably enjoy this one far less than i do just having the one you yeah, know absolutely yep it's really about state
0: I, we yeah. were just talking about that but i have this, i, I had the same guitar challenge right that i had a second guitar and i sold it because Having two guitars, it turns out, does not make give me twice the amount of joy in playing a guitar. <laughs> Maybe because I can only play one at a time. Maybe because the second that one was a shock guitar.
2: It. <laughs> <laughs> it was electric every time. Every time
0: you hit a hit a strong G power chord shock the crap out of me. It was, it was real. There's a real price to to pay for that one.
1: Might have been a wiring problem, right. <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad that you've found a a new home for But that.
0: that's really I mean that is that, that to me is something I feel like we need to reflect on, which is like it doesn't like that's the like the things like if you, as I look at the things in my life, the things that I keep around me the things that i put on my wall like i would not classify a single thing up on my wall of treasures as junk right everything there has a specific memory a specific like association to my past that is important to me and um and and so that that has become uh that has become the spirit of this room of my studio here that is you know it's covered in in me it is my identity. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes that looks like chaos, but... It doesn't look like chaos to me. It just looks
1: like a wonderful collection of playthings mm-hmm. from a really just, you know, inherently playful guy. Like, you just, you love play. Mm-hmm. And and you just have got such a way with gadgets that, that that's one of the ways you play. It makes sense to me. that. But that's a piece of the receiving and yeah. gratitude. You know, well, there's one other thing I did want to um, highlight that I never quite got to talk to her about, to Victoria about, which was the way she talks about aligning and attracting. I've always read that section of the book a little differently. Um, She talks about aligning in terms of aligning with what is before working on attracting what's next, right? Mm -hmm. There's another way to look at it that I think is fun to play with, which is aligning with what you hope to attract. And the way I play with that is to notice, so when I go to imagine something working out the way I want it to work out, what does my body do? So I did this right before our podcast started. You, did, you, you might have caught that mm-hmm. I closed my eyes for whatever, 20, 30 seconds and just said, hold up a sec. And what I was doing there was imagining us having a perfectly delightful conversation that was helpful to somebody out mm-hmm. there, right, that felt like we got to the high points and that I'd feel good about all day. And then I just noticed, what does my body do when I imagine that? You'd think my body, every time I imagined a happy, desirable outcome, would go to a happy, desirable state. It often doesn't. (laughs) The first thing I noticed was my shoulders are still tight. My chest is still kind of tense. And that is not a relaxing thought to me yet. Mm -hmm. Which told me I was not aligned with that as something I actually wanted to attract yet. Oh wait, now I don't now I'm not with you anymore. I could hold in my mind a vision of let's have a great conversation, yeah. Pete and Dodge, about Victoria and that I'd feel good about it all day. But if really I was ready to attract that, my body would relax and align with it. And it would begin to feel all the things you might feel when you imagine something lovely happening. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if you're aligned with eating a lemon, even in your mind, your mouth will start to water if you imagine it enough. But if you're not really imagining that lemon and you're not aligned, not aligned with it, your body won't respond yet. So, okay, are you with me yet? Well, well kinda, I have a response, but I want you to finish your thought. Okay, so just finishing the thought then. So what I'm doing is I'm just noticing, so... When something is coming up, like a podcast recording or a session with a client, or I'm just going to have got, some time to play with my son or I'm off to, you know, Kung Fu training, I'm just more and more noticing setting an intention around it, kind of an, an attention of attraction, an intention to say, I choose to attract to myself a great experience. But then I'm pausing to breathe long enough that I let my body catch up with that attraction um, so that I'm in in effect beginning to receive and feel grateful for it before it even comes. And when I do that, it works out so much better so much more often. Mm.
0: Okay, I'm glad I let you finish because to, to me, my first thought there is I hit that experience of discomfort. Where I'm physically like I'm, I'm having that sort of somatic experience of of disconnect and stress, and I write that off as anxiety. Yeah, I think a lot of us do. I think that's I think you just you just taught me something really important that uh, is that uh, I'm it's it's possible I'm not seeing it through, right? I'm stopping at anxiety and and letting that be kind of the universal sort of reason for pain.
1: Yes. Yes. And I would encourage everybody out there to play with. So whatever moment you're going to go into later today, I'd encourage you to imagine it going as you hope it would yeah. go. Or let's say what you're hoping to attract is a, a better job, a higher income, a great new boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever it is you hope to attract. Notice what's going on in your body when you imagine that. And if your body immediately begins to celebrate as though it were already true, you're aligned with that. If your body goes into tension, it's not there yet. And that's okay. But just notice where your body really is and keep breathing for a minute and see if you can move your body into a state that feels aligned with what you hope to attract. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So much so that you can almost begin to move into the next stages of receiving and gratitude ahead of time.
2: It's really interesting. How it helps me uh, become available for the
1: life I want to have, or the afternoon I want to have, or the lunch mm-hmm. I want to have doesn't have to be that
2: big. Right. Uh, that's interesting. That's good. I can do that. Yeah, it's fun to play. Yeah. Out. If this is a good
1: place, do you, do you, if you got more you want to talk no, about, or you, well, you want to start to wrap up. Yeah. You're about to do. It? Yeah. I was thinking, and I forgot to ask you about this ahead of time. I was thinking maybe we would do a bonus um, experiential exercise, uh, and I just wanted to read aloud um, one of the many, many wonderful experiential practices in Victoria's book. Great. Right? We talked about it a little bit, and it was her Tonglin practice of kind of joining with something that's pleasurable that's around you and taking that fully in Mm -hmm. and then making an offering of it. And it is such a fantastic way to practice the cycle of abundance, of the kind of aligning and attracting, the receiving and gratitude, but then, you know, this, this additional piece of generosity and giving. And you can do it all in a few breaths. Without feeling like these are giant stages, you know, that you need to spend weeks on.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Does this make sense? Let's do it. You want to try it? Okay, everybody. Bonus experiential exercise coming straight out of Victoria's amazing book, which you do need to buy, called The Trance of Scarcity. And on page 162, she has this really lovely practice of generosity that comes out of the Buddhist traditions. Um, there are other ways to interpret Tonglin and other ways to use it and other versions of this practice, but this is a particular way
2: she does it, and it's beautiful to me. Let me read to you what she writes. As a resident of the circle,
1: and by the circle in this context, she's talking about um, one who believes the world can be friendly. You can have enough and be enough. There is not a constant state of never enoughness in your version of the universe. She says I recommend a practice called Tonglen inspired by the ancient Tibetan Buddhist meditation. This version is a simple and elegant way to join with others and to share your joy. The practice is done in the spirit of acknowledging that we are all connected, that we all share the experience of life. So here goes. First, find 3 occasions each day when you feel full, blessed, joyful, or expanded in some way, and take a moment to embrace the experience on behalf of all beings. The gift you embrace can be as simple as fresh air, good soup, or a full tank of gas.
2: Number two, breathe in the richness of the moment and breathe out the thought, may everyone know.
1: Fill in the blank like this. You can fill in the blank with peace or joy or ease or happiness or pleasure or nourishment or freedom
2: or beauty or love. You choose. May everyone know this feeling. Number three, feel your connectedness. Whatever affects one person directly
1: affects all of us indirectly. What happens for you when you freely
2: share your bounty? Does your experience of abundance diminish or does it increase? Number four, do this practice anytime you notice a tendency to feel separate, insufficient, or shut down. Let me give you an example of how I've been doing that all week. Yeah. I walk into my office and the door happens
1: to be right in the corner of the office. literally. On the corner, like dia- on the diagonal. So as I walk into my office, I'm blessed to have a, a corner view where I have four, two windows to my left and two to my right, right? Overlooking uh, Vanderbilt and West End and midtown of Nashville and Centennial Park. And it's a lot of sky because they're tall windows uh, and just a lot of beauty. And every time I walk in, I try to just pause and take in a couple of breaths of just saying thank you for this beautiful light, for this view, for this spaciousness created by the windows in my life.
2: And for a moment, for a breath, I'll send that sense I have in my chest, in my body, to everybody. But then I've
1: especially been sending it to. People who are stuck in prison cells or hospital rooms or cubicles without windows who don't happen to have that kind of fortune on this particular day, who couldn't even get to a window if they asked nicely. And I try to imagine that somehow everyone in the world who needs a view for a moment, who needs to be able to just relax their focus on something far away, would have the sense of peace I have and the gratitude I have when I look out those windows. And then I just pause for one more breath and I notice what does it feel like to have taken that in, fully appreciated it and given it to all I can. And it feels freaking wonderful. The gratitude like grows exponentially when there is this like inflow and outflow. So play with that anywhere you can. Maybe it's, I don't know appreciation for a belonging or an adorable pet or your beautiful kid or that you have a toothbrush and there are
2: people in the world who don't even have a toothbrush that's beautiful thanks everybody love you be love you be